Welcome to Buzzed with Brian. I am your host, Brian. We're going to talk about beer, the history, and drinking. Hey there, beer fans. Welcome back to another episode of Buzzed with Brian. Thanks for tuning in this week and every week. I certainly could not do this without your continued love and support. I want to sincerely thank all of you out there for tuning in. So it has been quite hot lately. It's been very hot in the Midwest the last week and a half here, and I've decided to dish out a little style history, and we will be going over a summer style, and it is going to be the Hefeweizen. That's right. Some of you are probably saying, not so fast, Brian. You've done the Hefeweizen before. Indeed, I have. That was episode 20 last summer, so it's been a while, and I went over the German history, the German story behind the Hefeweizen. Well, today, I'm going to let you all in on the story behind the American Hefeweizen. Very similar. There's some differences, as we'll discuss later on, with the characteristics of the style. However, the story is really quite neat, and I think it deserves to be told, so I'm going to tell the American story today. But first, wait, we're sponsored, people. That's right, sponsors. We can't forget about that. Today we are sponsored by yeast. That's right, the little microbial agent that turns our beautiful wort, our sugary grain, into alcohol. And as you may recall, Hefe is German for yeast, so very appropriate for today's episode. The beer we have on today, we're going to cross the border over the Mississippi River to our neighbors to the west here the great state of Minnesota, and we will find ourselves in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis at Fair State Brewing Cooperative, and we are drinking their classic Hefeweizen today. So, I'm excited to get on to today's show. Starting off this episode here, it is very warm in my apartment. It is very warm in Madison, Wisconsin right now, and I am very much so looking forward to the drinking portion of this episode. I am I'm just mouth-watering, ready for a nice Hefeweizen. But first, I will show some patience, and we will cover some style history and some characteristics. So to kick us off here, just a quick reminder that, as I said, Hefe is German for yeast, Weizen is German for wheat, so it's literally a yeast-wheat beer if you want to think about it that way. The grain bill of this beer is normally going to be at least 50% coming from wheat, so you're going to have a very strong malt backbone to this beer. But let's not forget, Hefe is in the name first, yeast is first, and it's going to have a decidingly yeast profile. Um, and you often with Hefeweizens will get this mix, and it's kind of on a spectrum might lean more one way than the other or have, you know, a nice harmonious relationship of both, but you're going to get both these fruity banana tones from the esters from the yeast that's produced as well as the phenols that comes from the yeast and that'll give a nice clove aroma, but you might also get some crazy things like bubblegum, nutmeg, black pepper can shine through because a Bavarian Hefe yeast strain is just wild with the flavor profile it'll give. So, Let's wheel it back here, wheel it back here. Um, the bigger differences when we talk about today, because I'm going to compare and contrast a little bit to episode 20 from last summer, is the German Hefeweizen will typically be seen maybe a little on the more sessionable end, but certainly can still go up into the 55 ish percent ABV, where the American version will 
probably tend to linger more in the five to five and a half. Um, the big difference, though, on a you know objective measurement is the IBUs. German Hefeweizens will tend to, tend to be a little on the sweeter side. They'll be eight to fifteen IBUs, while the Americans. Uh, offerings we can see in the 15 to 30 range. So still overall a sweet beer. We're not talking anywhere near, you know, an American pale ale or a IPA or anything like that, but a little more bitter. And the reason is that our German brewers, our German counterparts, when they make Hefeweizens, they really want the yeast to be the showcase and they don't really hop their beer a lot. Um, they don't provide any of that bittering hop. They, It's a delicate beer for them and they don't want that to overwhelm the yeast flavors where the american side of things like we're going to shoot for a little more balance and we're okay with a little more hop character and then the other big difference when we look at the american hefeweizen versus the german hefeweizen is the american hefeweizen has decidedly a little bit more of a malt presence to it which i think is interesting um and not necessarily like in a strong offensive way just it might be a little more uh bready it might be a little more robust where again, I think I used the word delicate before. The German Hefeweizen has a very delicate body to it, a very delicate malt appearance, very delicate, low hop hop, low hop profile, and the yeast is really the star of the show. So that is my compare and contrast of these two styles. And like I said, my mouth is watering. I'm chomping at the bit to drink this beer. But first, let's get on to some history. To start off, I'm going to throw another quick plug back to episode 20 again. Some really neat content there. The German Hefeweizen is a very classical style. Um, went over a lot of different uh, topics and subject matter in the style history in that episode. It was kind of just seeping through the pores of that episode. So check it out. If you haven't listened already, if you're new to the show, go check that episode out. If you're like just curious and you're like, oh yeah, I don't really remember, re-listen to it again. You will definitely enjoy it. That being said, I'm just covering the American story behind the German Hefeweizen today. To start out, the first you know exposure, the first incidents that we see of a Hefeweizen-styled beer in the U.S. certainly was in the 1800s. Of course, we can't forget that there were waves of German immigrants coming to the United States at this time, and even though they were you know all brewing the ever-popular polarizing Pilsner style of beer, say that five times fast, <laughs> they, were also, they were also brewing beers of traditional style, which included Hefeweizen. So even though it was more of an afterthought beer and didn't quite get all of the glory and fame as the Pilsner, it still was around. However, we did see a slow decline and decay, and for two reasons. There was a lot of disgruntled sentiments to Germany in general post-World War I, and then the big one, Prohibition hit, <laughs> and this German wheat-styled beer was, you know, virtually killed off in the U.S. Even after Prohibition was repealed and the U.S. entered World War II, there was still no real resurgence to the style, and it continued to dwindle and dwindle, along with the number of breweries in the U.S. continued to dwindle and dwindle. Continuing down the timeline here, we approach the Cold War era of the United States, and an interesting thing happened here. We had a lot of American troops that were positioned in Germany for extended periods of time as a part of their service requirement to the military branch that they were in, and some of them really started to enjoy, when they had time to, enjoy the classic styles that German beer had to offer, 
and for some even become reacquainted with their German roots. Certainly I have German ancestry in my family and I would probably feel some sentiment if I was overseas and hanging out in my ancestors' homeland for a while. But when they came back to the United States, they, you know, had a thirst for these styles of beer and, well, they couldn't find them. (laughs) So fast forward to Portland, Oregon now in the 1980s. So we're still in the Cold War era here, but getting towards the end of it and we're right at the tipping point of the start of the craft beer boom. We have two brothers, Kurt and Rob Widmere, and they thought just that. They're like, why is there only, you know, at the time when you think about what a classic domestic American Pilsner lager looks, feels, tastes like, why is that the only thing we have to offer? They want to drink something else. So they had the notion to do just that and start brewing their own beer. And conveniently, in 1979, Oregon legalized home brewing, so they had the ability to actually practice this and get good at it. So with some time, they quit their jobs, and in 1984, they decided to open up their own place. They rounded up a dairy tank, a shrimp cooker, and a 1970 Datsun pickup truck, as the story goes, and they were saying, we're, we're here, we're ready to commercially brew beer and they officially opened on April 2nd of 1984, the Woodmere Brothers Brewery. And when they first opened, they had two beers to offer. So what were they? A German-styled alt beer and a filtered wheat beer. So pretty simple, but, you know, something a little more robust than your typical, I don't know, Rainier lager out there at the time. Um, and once they had some consistent customer base, they wanted new beers. They're saying they're mainly their distro accounts at different pubs, across uh, the Portland, Oregon area were saying, okay, we, we like your two beers, but do you have another? Can we get a third? And they responded. So they what they ended up doing is they didn't have money to buy a third fermenter, so they were kind of stuck scratching their heads. So what they decided to do was brew their filtered wheat and, well, not filter it. So it had that great hazy appearance they wanted, and they simply called it the Widmere Hefeweizen. And they are the first ones, at least first ones in the American craft beer movement after this style was essentially extinct to have a beer with the name of Hefeweizen. And this is probably the first true creation of an American style Hefeweizen beer. And there you have it, folks. That's the story. Now let's get on to the brewery and then the beer. Our beer today is coming from Fair State Brewing Cooperative, as mentioned in the episode intro. They are based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota, and they opened up in September of 2014, so just approaching their ninth anniversary as it was. And when they first opened up back in 2014, they were the first brewing co-op in Minnesota and only the third in the entire country. There are certainly more around now. I the first one that comes to mind for me locally is New Barron's Co-op in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So they're the it's it's a growing business model, and I guess yeah. Speaking of business, what what does that mean? What is a brewing co-op? So this is a user-owned and controlled business. The benefits are then distributed on a basis of use back to those individual members of the brewery. So when Fair State first opened up, and actually technically before their official opening, they had nearly 300 members already joined the cooperative. So they were an exciting new business coming into this neighborhood on the 
northeast side of Minneapolis, and people wanted to have a piece of the action. And they have continued to grow over their almost nine years here because currently Fair State boasts over 2,000 members. So that's pretty incredible. But before we get too much you know further along the line here let's wheel it back who were the original members and you know who who were the the people that started this brewery this cooperative so there was three individuals and their lives were brought together by sharing a rugby pitch and they weren't even on the same team so i mean that's some friendly competition i guess but the three people are evan sally nico tonks and matt hawk sorry if i butchered any of your names but they had a friendship grow over the game of rugby, and they all had a side passion for homebrewing. So how convenient, right? They are amongst any, most of our other stories. Homebrewing is a common component. Uh, but their idea of formally opening a brewery in a co-op style took place when they were all sharing beers at Black Star Co-op in Austin, Texas, which is up on the north end of town. I haven't been there, but perhaps the next time I'm down in Austin, I, I'll get there. But they were hoping that the co-op model would help other homebrewers like themselves bridge bridge the gap from tinkering in their kitchens and garages to opening a brewery right that's a big step for a lot of people and they wanted to serve as this in-between space allowing for future members to have opportunities to become involved with the operations and the brewing and get that hands-on experience so i think that's really really neat before we get to the beer there's one last thing that's really neat about this uh, brewing cooperative that i want to mention is that you know and it fits the bill of them again wanting to give back to the community at large and be an active participant in the area that they're providing services is that every purchase in the tap room and online 10 percent of that goes back to nonprofit partners that are selected by the cooperative members and the groups that they typically partner with help impact areas of democracy justice community outreach and community health really you know some amazing things to help support especially in today's climate um, if you look at their website right now they actually have four nonprofit partners listed that they have kind of broken apart in a quarterly basis for the year of 2023 and if you dive into the mission of those, it includes, you know, access to healthcare, especially reproductive healthcare. Um, another group is all about cleaning and conservation of the Mississippi River and all the connected local waterways. And then they have two groups that are, um, you know, their main purpose is to help build social and economic equity within the neighborhood, the actual neighborhood itself that the brewery is in. So that's really, really neat. That's very, I'm sure, close to home for a lot of the cooperative members and the patrons that go to fair state and buy their beer so get out there and support them they support some really neat stuff and let's get on to the beer we have arrived at beer time that's right i'm very excited to open up this can and pour this one out as mentioned, we are having Fair State Co-op's Hefeweizen beer today. We are enjoying this out of a 16-ounce traditional pounder. And the can itself is really, really uh, eye-catching, honestly, when I was picking it out at the uh, the liquor store. Shout out Star Liquor here in Madison. Uh, it, it really stuck out. I was looking for a Hefeweizen beer, but this one I was like, whoa, I want to pick out that can. It's got a really nice bright yellow with a bold black um, pattern on it that kind of reminds me of maybe like an overhead shot of like looking down at a wheat field and then the font style on the Hefeweizen reminds me of like classic German beer garden in the summertime I mean this it's a it's a really nice can it's tied together really really well 
Uh, this beer is weighing in at 5% ABV and is at 12 IBUs, so will be a little on the sweeter side. And then the side of the can here says this is a pale, spritzy, can-conditioned Bavarian-style wheat beer. So, looking forward to it. Let's get on to this pour. Pouring out this beer, it is coming in at a wonderful kind of pale yellow golden color. And there is definitely some cloudiness to it. Even at the end of the can here, there's some sediment coming out. So I think it might be some potential yeast sediment providing this little bit of cloudy haze that we've got going on, which is appropriate for the style. And then there's definitely a nice half inch to inch layer of white foam on the top that is quickly settling out, but just giving you a nice little base layer. So... Uh, let's get in for a smell while we still have some of that. Mmm, that's pl- okay. One more. Yeah, that's really pleasant. Definitely yeast forward, which again, true to the style, but distinctly banana. I get the banana aroma most on the nose, and then there's a little bit of butteriness in there, which could be, you know, it, when I think of butter, sometimes I think of diacetyl, which is an off flavor for beer, but sometimes intentional in the style, but it could just be my nose mistaking the bananianists with something else. And there's a slight subtle doughy bread, bread to it as well in the background. So let's get in for a sip. Hmm. Okay. One more. Hmm. All right, yeah, one more. Hmm. Definitely yeast forward. <laughs> um, I mean, no, no surprise there. The banana, though, is interesting. So on the nose, right, I said it was distinctly banana, mostly banana. It's fleeting on the palate. And once you get into this mid-palate hit, it's like, boom, spices here, and it's all clove. And I actually get a little bit of one more. Hmm. Yeah, I get a little bit of like anise in there, uh, you know, a black licorice flavor. It's really subtle, but it kind of complements the clove. It's kind of fun, uh, but it continues this this beer as I drink it continues to be more and more complex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a definite undertone of hot bitterness, and I know I said this beer weighed in at 12 IBUs on you know before just before but it is it's got a definite hot bitterness and it's got a a decently strong malt profile that i get mostly like a biscuity note from that helps balance out some of the yeast but don't get me wrong it is still very much so a yeast dominant beer um the body of this is a medium to full build it's sweet definitely overall and it finishes a little dry which i find interesting because it's a hefeweizen as an ale not a lager but I kind of like that component to this one. Balance-wise, again, true yeast showcased Hefeweizen beer. However, getting through it, it does provide some of that balance with the malt and the hot bitterness. But that leads into the drinkability here. If this style, you don't usually go for Hefeweizen, you're like someone like, oh, I'm unsure, or like, oh, I don't like those. This is not something that I think I would put in front of someone to change their mind. Uh, the clove on the palate can be a touch overwhelming 
and it's even a little bit overwhelming for me which is saying something because i usually like a more clove centric hefeweizen versus the banana centric hefeweizen um, but overall it's still drinkable if you're someone that's in tune with hefeweizen beer you can definitely drink this and be like yeah that's a great example of the style but with that being said i'm going to finish this off and we'll get on to some ratings As always, zero to five, and I didn't mention this previously, but this is the first time I'm having Fair State's Hefeweizen. I've had some of their other beers. Uh, the one that comes to mind is their German Pils, which is a great, great example of a Pils. Uh, but this is my first time having this Hefeweizen beer, and I have some thoughts on it. Uh, like I said before, it does have a little bit of balance, which I think is great. I think the appearance and the aroma, minus that a little bit of weird dicetyl butteriness that I got, which can be an off flavor. I didn't get any of that on the palate, so that was reassuring to me. Uh, but overall, I think the aroma and the appearance spot on. I think you know when it comes to the palates and the you know the actual tasting part of this beer, it's still pretty true to style. It is overwhelmingly clove. I think I as I got to the end of my glass, I was like, all right, this is. This is quite a bit to get through 16 whole ounces of this, and I couldn't imagine. There's a certain heaviness that kind of sat in with this beer. So that being said, I'm going to give it, you know, a good but not great score, 3.5 out of 5, and that's a review. All right, beer fans, that wraps up today's episode. Thanks for tuning in this week and every week. As mentioned in the episode intro, I appreciate your continued support. I appreciate you listening in. If you have a moment, if you have never rated the show, get out there, rate the show, write a review if you're listening on Apple Podcast. Follow me along on social media. I really appreciate the support out there as well. The Instagram's a lot of fun. And, I mean, I've been doing this for almost a year and a half now and have not missed a Thursday, have not missed a weekly drop. So I could not do that without you all. So thank you. Now, if you're looking to find the beer that we had today out in the wild, certainly Fair State Brewing Cooperative has a pretty good reach. Check out their website. You can see their distribution lists on there, and they are available all across the state of Minnesota. They are available in the great state of Wisconsin here in the Midwest, and I believe in northern Iowa, northern Illinois, I think they touch parts of that as well. They might even go into a couple other places that I'm not aware and didn't spend the time to look into, but they've got a pretty solid reach uh, on shelf space in distribution. And then, of course, check out the brewery. Next time I'm up in the Twin Cities, I'm going to check it out for myself. It's definitely on my list now. So, that being said, this episode is officially wrapped up. And if you have any other great ideas for the podcast, feel free to reach me at buzzedwithbrian at gmail.com or hit me up on Instagram with a direct message. I'll respond to that as well. And of course, if you haven't written a review, if you're new to the show here, write a review. Good or bad or indifferent. I want to hear it. I want to see it. Um, easy to do if you're an Apple Podcast listener. And, you know, give me a rating. Hit those stars up. Good, bad, indifferent. Hit them up. So thanks again. Can't wait to get back on the mic again soon here and enjoy another beer. Cheers, beers. Cheers.